Welcome to the Destiny Church and Throne Podcast, where we hope to inspire, stir, and provoke you to know Jesus and make Him known in your daily life. Enjoy! Perfect! <laughs> My eyes! Hey, um, really quick, if uh, I really do want to say, guys, I love you so much. Uh, thank you for just allowing uh, God to just be God in these moments and in worship and in just depth and in just loving on Him. You know, uh, uh, sometimes... Um, you know, I know that a lot of times, and not for a lot of you, but it can be, sometimes it can be uncomfortable, you know, when there's no songs being sung from the platform, but you and I both know that, uh, even if we didn't play any instruments, we could still worship. Amen. And so just thank you guys for not expecting, uh, anything more than what he wants. I can't stress that enough. Uh, a few housekeeping things. Uh, first thing is, um, tomorrow prayer, 11 a.m., uh, and then uh, if you don't know, the orange table is off and running, and uh, we've had, I think, three meals, I think, so far, three or four meals, and uh, it's just been awesome just seeing just the more and more that it's been growing, and if you don't know, the orange table is a feeding center in which the first and third Mondays of the month, we are feeding the city, and uh, it's food that is excellent, okay? Uh, these aren't like PB&Js and oranges, even though there's nothing wrong with PB&Js and oranges. I love PB&Js and oranges. But we like to be excellent, you know, and, and so uh, the meals have been amazing. We've been seeing God do some awesome stuff. If there's been awesome testimonies of God breaking uh, suicidal spirits, depression, things like that. People coming to the knowledge of who Jesus is. Uh, people that have been like, I haven't eaten in days that are getting a meal. They're able to bring back food to their families. And so that has been awesome. We've also been able to partner with Optimus Village right up the road. It's like it's, it's a non-assisted home, but it's a lot of elderly that live there. And we've been able to bring them food and help to feed their residents, which has also been a big need to them because they said that they've been running short on food. And so that's been really awesome. So that's um, tomorrow. If you want to help in any capacity with the Orange Table, uh, see Wendy, see Trent. It has been absolutely amazing. And then on Tuesday nights here, we have our victory classes. And at first, if you heard the video that Sandy and Jacob released, you know, it was, it was really gearing towards, you know, relapse prevention and addiction and stuff like that. It has since grown in such a different way that it's just kind of now it's just like victory. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like just evolved into exactly what it was called to be. And so for those that have just been struggling in areas of, of mindset shifting, you know, I, I, it's just, you know, from, from the conversations, just being a place to come and vent and come share your heart. It's a safe place. Um, and, and so... Uh, with that being said, that's every Tuesday, 6.30 to 7 is that connection time. Seven service kicks off. Uh, class kicks off. It's every Tuesday night. Um, if you know someone struggling in any way, you yourself, a family member, or whatever it may be, uh, come and be a part of that. They've been absolutely amazing. Uh, and even if it's just you, maybe you've been dealing with, with shame, guilt, condom, maybe it's just something you just feel like you can't shake that you need victory in. Tuesday nights uh, at 6.30, be here for those um, and then obviously Wednesday nights we get together at 545 to serve, clean the church, hang out. That's been excellent. If you want to uh, um, uh, do anything of that, first off, Victory Class Tuesday, see Sandy and Jacob. They can give you more information. There's a little card back there. Um, and, uh, and so see them if you in any way want to partner with that, be a part of that, want more information on that. Um, uh, see them. Uh, they're absolutely amazing. And then see Nicole if you want to help in the serve team uh, in any way, shape, or form. Um, I think that's everything. I didn't have anything planned for that. But um, Ephesians 1, 3 through 5 says this. We read this, and this is what I, I read last week. And I just want to kind of jump into this for you real quick. And it says, All praise to God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm because we're united with Jesus. And check this out. 
even before he made the world, even before God established the earth, even before he created the lands and the water, it said God loved us and he chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. In Christ. Okay? He chose us to be holy and without fault in Christ. Meaning that outside of Christ, can't happen. All right, just, just point blank. Outside of Christ, it, it, there, there, there is fault and there is blame. Does that make sense? In Christ, he chose us to be without fault, and, 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 uh, and he's adopted us, it said, into his own family, bringing us to himself through Jesus. So again, there is adoption through Jesus. So two things stick out here the most, okay, is that every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms is ours because of Jesus, and that in the beginning before God created the world, he loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy without, without fault, Okay, and then at the very end, it tells us he decided to adopt us into his own family by bringing us into himself through Jesus. Okay, so I just want to say that, like the access of 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 blameless before the eyes of God, the access of adoption and the access of of all the spiritual blessings in the heavenly realms come through but one man. And that one man is Jesus outside of Jesus. None of these things are possible. You can't work your way into adoption with him. You can't work your way into spiritual blessings with him. You can't work your way into being faultless and blameless in his sight without Jesus. Okay? So your identity and everything that can be found in who you are is in Jesus. And it's in Jesus alone. All right? I could pass this microphone 17 times over and we could all share testimonies of who we thought we maybe were before Jesus. And where did that leave us? Broken? Addicted? Right? Waking up in ditches, you know what I mean? Like, like outside of him, even when we thought we found ourselves, we were still lost. This is why we must lose our life in order to find it. Amen? Right? This is essential in our growth as sons of God. Now, I'm going to address sons and daughters as sons just for the sake of conversation. Uh, but, but you, you know, we're all sons. Galatians 4, 7, you're no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has now made you an heir. Galatians 3, 26, 27 says, for, for you all are children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. Now hear me when I say these things that you are all children of God because of what Jesus has done. Amen? So again, your identity is found in Jesus and in him alone. Right. This is where sometimes the church misses it because they find identity in platforms or they find identity behind the pulpit or they find their identity in their titleship. Right. I don't even know if that's a word, but whatever. They find identity in titles or in names or what's on the business card. But your identity is only going to be found in Jesus. This is why the enemy will do everything necessary to sever you and tear you away from him because the more that you dwell with him, the more you'll find out who you are and what you have access to. It's all through Jesus. Glory to God. Romans 8 says this. For if you live by sin, you will die. But, if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you'll live for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Meaning that the Spirit of God will not lead you to sin. <laughs> all right? That's, there it is. That's it. The Spirit of God will not lead you to sin. It will not lead you to miss the mark or operate in anything else that is contrary to who you are in God. 
And as children of God, you are led by the Spirit of God. A part of your identity as a follower, as a sheep, is to be led by God. The easiest way that I can say that is you're just walking hand in hand with Jesus as he moves forward and you're just following. He goes left, you go left. He goes right, you go right. Right? That's a key piece of scripture. It's not just all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. It goes before that, that if you live by sin, you'll die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Being led by the Spirit of God, again, will begin to eliminate every area of the depth of sin and compromise in the heart of a believer. Why? Because the Spirit of God won't lead you into sin. A part of your identity is to be dead to that thing. Amen? Amen. Glory in the highest. All right. Um, I'm going to read Romans 8, 15 and 16 in the Passion Translation because it is so poetically and beautifully written. Um, and I want, to, I want to read it to you, okay? And so check this out. This is, this is awesome. And then I'm just going to kind of tie it up. Like I said, I don't want to talk long. I just want to just kind of share my heart on sonship and identity on who you are. Because, you know, your sonship and your identity, it changes cultures. Everything changes when you know who you are in God. Everything changes. When you know who you are in him, the enemy can't come and attack your identity and cause you to slip and cause you to compromise. Because when you know who you are, it's very difficult for the enemy to shake you out of that. Your sonship changes cultures everywhere you go. I'm going to pick on Sandra Gale over here for a second. She has a testimony every Thursday on what God is doing at her workplace. It's amazing. It's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Every Thursday, there, God did this, God did this. this. This lady who was battling witchcraft went to church, got saved, all this crazy stuff. God is doing this, God is doing this. And I, and I love it because sonship changes culture everywhere you go. Not just Sunday mornings. Your workplace should mirror. Hear me on this. Your workplace should mirror the things of heaven. Like that's just, that's just how it should go. You're not just called to just go there and be like, clock in, clock out, here I am. I tell Mike this all the time. Bro, if you're investing into that place, that place should look like heaven. No ifs, ands, or buts. Why? Because you're a son. And sonship changes cultures. Romans 8, 15, 16. You did not receive the spirit of religious duty leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. Hear this. You did not receive the spirit of religious duty leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. Because not being good enough is not a part of your identity. Okay, so hear that. But you have received the spirit of full acceptance. Bringing you into the family of God. And you will never feel orphaned. For as Jesus rises up within us, our spirits join with him, saying the words of tender affection, Abba, Father. For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us. As he whispers into our innermost being, you are God's beloved child. You see, the enemy wants to throw on religious duty that leads us back into an orphan spirit. And here's the thing about orphans and movies about orphans. When, if you watch movies about orphans, I have not spent time in an orphanage or anything like that. I've read about some. Uh, so what I'm about to tell you comes from like 
just kids' movies that I've seen, whatever. Okay, this isn't like theology. If somebody's listening to this, I'm just going to tell you about what I've seen, right? Angels in the Outfield type stuff. If you watch these movies, they get dolled up and prettied up when there's families coming, right? You know those movies? You know I'm talking about Problem Child and all that, you know? Yeah. They want to look presentable because there's a family coming. They want to be adopted. They want to look great. They want to look presentable. You see, in the world around us, when we try to fit in with the world, we want to look like the world because we want it to accept us. Right? We want the world to accept us, and so we try to get prettied up in hopes that it will do that. And this is what the enemy's longing for, even in the church, that people would put on this well-dressed version of themselves. I love how, how Pastor Karen alluded to that this morning. They want to put up this well-dressed version of themselves, but be so far from God everywhere else. Because what the enemy wants to do is he wants to put on this, this blanket over you of religious duty. He wants to keep you orphaned and severed and separated from the Father. Your identity is not an orphan. Your identity is not rejection. Your identity is not being good enough. I love that it says that you've received the, the spirit of adoption, but it says the spirit of full acceptance. Now, this is found in Jesus and in Jesus alone. Anything outside of what Christ accomplished will not bring you into that spirit of full acceptance or that spirit of adoption. Right? To, to speak from the pulpit or to speak to people out of acceptance that there are different ways to get to heaven, or, or, or there's, you know, you can try this, or oh yeah, try to do this yourself, or whatever it may be. Look, everything is rooted in Jesus and in Him alone. That's it. That could be every sermon for the rest of my life to the day I see His face in eternity. That could be my sermon. Just Jesus. Your identity is found solely in Him. And so when you, when you find yourself battling with identity and who you are, or the enemy coming and kind of shaking up and telling you all these lies and trying to get you to partner with a lie, somewhere in the depth of your heart, you've not been dwelling and communing with Jesus. I've been there, done that. So in your sonship, here's what I want you to hear as well. In your sonship, in that spirit of adoption, I, I was hearing something the other day, and I was reading about it, and I want to share this with you because I thought it was beautiful. But when a king could not have a son, what he would do is he would adopt one. And when that child walked down, for purposes, walked down the aisle to see the king, he had two men. He had one here and one here. Uh, now, I don't know what sides they were on, but there was one individual who had that boy's records. His name, his parents, their occupation, blood type, height, everything. He had that. And as, and as the king adopted the son, the king began to speak out that son's new identity. These are his parents. Here's what I'm wanting from him. Here's what I wanted to see. Th this is what I'm calling him into. He begins to otherwise prophesy new identity over that son. And as he does, there's a scribe on the other side that's taking detailed notes. Okay, he said, he's this, this is his name, this is his new name, this is what he's going to call to be due, this is what he's going to be doing in the kingdom, this, that, and the other, this is what, blah, 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 and he would do all that. And as he's writing that down, and he would get the proper royal signatures needed on it, and people came out that were going to teach the son all the things that the king has prophesied over him, and as they signed the document, the guy over here who had his old one, <laughs> wiped it away. 
There was no more record of who he was before he was adopted by the king. It was gone. Early in my walk, that's all the enemy told me, was who I once was. And I had to learn very quickly that if I partnered with those thoughts and those ideas, it was going to not just spiritually kill me, but even probably physically killed me under the weight of worry and just stress. And like, I'm not that person. Oh, my God, I can't believe I did that. Why did I do that? It was shame and guilt. And I learned very young. This is what the enemy was trying to do. He was trying to get me to look at who I once was before being identified as a son. And oftentimes he'll do that through works in believers. You're not worthy enough to go to his presence. You messed up too long. You've been out of church for too long. You haven't prayed enough this week. Right? He'll, He'll try to blanket things on you that will cause you to work in religious duty or fashion. And that's not who you are, you see, because in him, that old person, that old man is dead and gone. Did you know that that we have resurrection power, right? And a lot of times the church uses that resurrection power to bring to life the old man. That's where you see the church using resurrection power the most. It's bringing up the old man. That old man that's dead and gone. Right? They'll, 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 They'll resurrect that. Oh, this is who I am. This is what I once was. I guess I'll always be this. (laughs) living outside of your sonship will allow us to walk into fear and rejection because that's what the orphan spirit does it actually operates out of insecurities and jealousies Uh, but sonship it functions out of love and acceptance and that's your identity your identity as a son your identity as a daughter is love and acceptance through jesus it's a papa that looks at you and without fault or, or without blemish He sees his son, Jesus, the perfect sacrifice, and through that, he sees you without fault. This is why the Bible says that it's our faith in Jesus that makes us right with God. This is why it says that, because it's found in Jesus. Your your identity is found in him. This is what I want to close up with, beloved. (laughs) Check this out. Um, It's in John chapter 8. And uh, Jesus says this. Sons don't get invitations to the table. They already know there's a seat for them. Right? They already know there's a seat for them. Uh, We don't have to work ourselves into a seat at the table with Jesus. We don't have to work ourselves into any of that. Because in our sonship, we understand that there's always a seat, right? There'll always be a seat at y'all's table for this precious baby, huh? You know what I'm saying? Like, if we look at our children, they they never have to fight for a seat or ever wonder if there will be a seat for them. Their sonship already grants them access at the dinner table for a seat to be theirs. What the enemy longs to do is he longs to actually knock you out of that mindset and that identity to bring you into a place to where you feel like, Either he doesn't want you at the table, or you got to do a bunch of really good things to get back into the good graces. Remember the story of the prodigal son? This is what he did. The entire way home, he recited to himself, I'm just going to tell my dad I'll work for him. That's what he said the entire way home. I'm going to go home and be a slave. I'm going to go home and be a slave. I'm just going to work for him. I'm going to work for him. I'm going to work for my dad. I'm going to work for my dad. I'm going to see him say, accept me back. I'm going to work. I'm going to work. I'm going to work. I'm going to work. And before he even got to the porch, the father was already celebrating him as a son. And without even lifting a finger, he clothed him in identity, 
put a ring on his finger, right? He blessed him as a son, not as a slave. And so the mindset of those who have been far from God and or not walking in the calling of God is that you can fall subject to wanting to work back into his good graces. It will never work that way. You can't work yourself unto the table. Can't do it. But know that even if you have been far off, all you have to do is just get into his eyesight. See, the father was waiting, waiting and watching for his son to come back. Just get into the father's eyesight. It's the best way I can say it. Just get into his view, and he is ready to receive you. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, and this is in John chapter 8, and this is where I'm going to kind of tie it all up. You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And the people around him said, but we're descendants of Abraham. We've never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean you'll be set free? What do you mean, Jesus? This doesn't make any sense to us. Carnally, it doesn't make any sense. He says, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. And a slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are truly free. See, this is why we talked about, this is what the flesh and the enemy longs to do, is it longs to rob you out of family and sonship by leaving you in a place where you are living and walking in compromise and sin, right? When you're walking by the dictates of the flesh, when you're walking by that sinful nature, you'll miss the mark every time with what God is wanting you to do, every time. And this is the beauty of it. Is that that and, and being sons, we are permanent members of the family. We can walk. Your identity is found in being a son and a daughter, being accepted in him. The word adoption means a redeeming back to the original state. The word adoption in the root word is tethemi, which actually means to be fixed or established. Your sonship and your identity is established in Jesus. Dug the hole, poured it with concrete, stuck it in there. It ain't moving. Established. Fixed. When you're in him and you're allowing the identity of who God has called you to be and you're functioning in that day in and day out, you, you do that with an understanding that you are established in your sonship. And so when the enemy comes to try to lie, your establishment means that he can't shake you. He can't shake you. This is why it's important to not just hear the teachings, but also do and follow the teachings. So that when storms come, when trials come, you're established in your sonship. I was talking to Karen the other day. We were talking about an issue that was happening in the family. And I was like, isn't it beautiful? We took a moment and we said, isn't it beautiful that our children are not phased by the problems that we're talking about or going through? They weren't phased by it. They may have even heard something and they weren't phased by it. In your sonship, the trials and the circumstances of life will not cause you to waver. Because it's rooted in Jesus and Jesus never fails. Right? And so in your identity, this is what I want to say lastly. The closer and closer that you find yourself getting to Jesus, 
the more of who you are will be released. Your calling on the earth, the ministry God has called you to do, right? The things that, that, that you know, we're, we're on the way home, we were talking to Keith, and he was talking about how he, um, he likes to preach on the corner in Beaumont. It's on, uh, over there by, what, what road is that on? Concord, Lucas. And he said, he said before he felt like he had to go and do it. But he's at a place now where he, he just listens to the Father when he says and tells him to go, right? So remember, now it's just, it's just done with ease. See, in the beginning, he had an idea of the calling of God, but he did it almost with a works, like, oh, I gotta feel like I got to go do this, I got to go do this. But the more he established himself in identity, he just knew that it was being done with ease. See, not only are we called to just be sons and daughters, we're not called to just be churchgoers. There is a calling on your life and a purpose to change the world around you. Jeremiah was a prophet before he was ever born. There's a calling that's on your life. That the closer you get to Jesus will be released. You're not just called to be a Sunday morning goer. And all the churches all over our region, all over our great city, it's full of prophets and apostles and teachers and evangelists. It's full of sons and daughters that are not just called to be churchgoers, but that are called to operate in ministries. Ministry of reconciliation, whatever it may be. But God is calling us, and the more that you get closer to him and you set yourself into that, into that place of being a son or a daughter, you begin to operate in who you're called to be. And so that's what I want to say is like, as you establish yourself in knowing who he is, and he releases telling you who you are, begin to walk that thing out. Begin to walk that thing out. So if it's something that he told you years ago that you've kind of put by the wayside because you felt like you weren't good enough to do it or qualified enough to do it, if he told you to do it, do it. Like if he's calling you to do it, Karen ministered a word on Thursday. If you get a chance, go and listen to it. It was absolutely prophetically amazing. But I feel like one of the things that's going to hurt the church the most this season is laziness. Laziness. And when you're a son and when you're a daughter and when you're walking in that calling, when laziness comes knocking at the door, you don't even answer it because you know that there's a mandate upon your life to carry out the plans of God. And you will let nothing stop you. We knew this church was a plan from God. We had no funds. We had no building. We had no churchgoers. We just knew God told us to do it. And so we said yes to it. If we would have looked at the evidence, it would have said no. But when we understood our sonship and our position of family in him, it was easy to say yes. Why? Because we were being led by him. Because those that are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. If there's areas in your life where you're not being led by God, repent of that orphan mindset. Right? Repent of that orphan mindset. Because if you're not being led by God in every area of your life, something's off. And this isn't a rebuke. This is just a teaching. This is just, hey, fam, look into the depth of your heart. You know. Anyway, God is good. Amen. Uh, stand with me. <laughs> Thanks, guys.